The tour content from now through Lagwa Omer has been generously sponsored by Malki M. Thank you, Malki. June is less than a month away, which means that I'll soon be transitioning into summer writing mode with more Substack articles and fewer recorded shiurim. The bulk of these articles will remain free. However, if you would like to support my Torah and gain access to additional spicy written content, consider becoming a paid subscriber by going to rabbishneweis.substack.com and signing up today. Okay, so we are continuing. The plan is to continue with the mitzvahs of the king, but we were in the mitzvah of the king writing his own Sefer Torah, which is not in Halakos Malachim. So let's reread, not relearn, the first halacha of Ksiva Sefer Torah, just so we can see it in context. Mitzvahs is in Sefer Tefillin, Umitzvahs of Sefer Torah, Zion Aleph. Mitzvahs say, I'll call Ish for Ish Mitzvah, Lichtov Sefer Torah La'atma. Right? So it sounds like you have to write your own Sefer Torah. Shnei Marbiata, Kisvu Lechem Es Hashira Hazos. Klomar Kisvu Es HaTorah, Sheish Ba Shira Zo. Means write this Torah that has this Shira, Lefish Enkos Vinas HaTorah, Parshios, Parshios, because we don't write the Torah in Parshios. So we raised the question last time, um, which the Torah Tamima raised, right? No, we didn't like his answer. No, we didn't like his answer, but the, the question was good, which is, if this were a mitzvah to write this shira, then you would be allowed to do it, just like you have a mitzvah to write fill and mezuzos, and you write those as partials, partials, yes. right? We write like the Rabbi Boggs who says, right, that the kola Torah kula is called a shira, right. um, and yeah. And the Ksav and the Kabbalah give a different explanation of the Rabag, which we didn't necessarily understand. But uh, yeah, okay, fine. But the Ram is not saying it. Oh, we said, oh, we did say we were going to look at the, the Yad Shuta on this. Um, which, oh, by the way, let's do a book. Uh, what is it called? Uh, uh, Rabinovich Pathways. Yeah, so uh, I was given this as a gift. Um uh, Pathways to Their Hearts by Rabbi Nachman Rabinovich, the author of the Abshuta. And it's, he wrote it in Hebrew, but it's translated to English, which is about his approach to, um, uh, to Psaac and many other things. And so I'm, I'm looking forward to getting into that. And I'll probably share bits of that. Um, okay. Klomor Kisvu as a Torah. Let me just see if that's, uh, that's too long. You know what I'm going to do? I'm going to look at it on my own. Okay. Mm-hmm. And, and, and uh, I don't want to get caught up on that another day. Um, needlessly. <laughs> if it's needfully, then we'll do it. Right. Even if a person's father left him a Torah, it is a mitzvah to write his own. Now that one, we do need to look at the, at the notes because is it, uh, let's see. He just quotes the source, right? Because we said that there's two ways to read the Ramam there. One is that really he holds the only mitzvah is to write your own Sefer Torah which could mean to write it or could mean to commission it. And then this is just refuting a Havamina that the purpose is to have a Sefer Torah. And so he's saying, no, that you're not Yotze. Or the other way to understand the, the thing is that there's three tiers, right? That there's the writing it. Um, then there's the, uh, like writing it totally yourself uh, or doing the, the Haga, and then there's commissioning it. And then there's just getting one. Mm-hmm. But we saw the whole... Um, I don't know if this is the right use of the term rigmarole, but that's the word that came to my lips about uh, of the issue of the Torah theory that it's to produce more Torahs in Israel, right? Um, so, so it's mashma from the. If I just had to read from the Ramam, it sounds like he's saying you have to write your own Torah, you know, and commissioning it would be, you know, uh, fine, yeah. But just getting one is not. What was that? Right, that's what it sounds like. The FP, okay. Yeah, the no, no, sorry, I keep on forgetting that he says it again. No, I just read that. That's the, the third one. If he wrote it by hand, 
So those are the only two options practically, right? You either write it or you have someone else do it. And then the middle option within that is which is just a strange, um, strange thing. Yeah. Right. Cause it's, it's you got two kilos now, and then if you do that, it's, you know? Yeah. All right. Now we get to the Melech. Hamelech. Over what? Okay. We could try to figure it out. Okay. We could try to figure it out. Yeah. Yeah. You know, are you reminded of anything else when he says Kilo uh, Kilo Misinai? Uh, no. Uh, I'm reminded of Hakel. And I just want to compare his Lashon by Hakel. Um, I think there he says it's as if you heard it at Sinai, but maybe he says Kilo Kilo. And if it's if it's Kilo, then very interesting. Because this is going to be in Korbanos because it's individual Korban and it's at the end of Chagiga. Um, so he says, Gerim Shina Makirin, this is in Chagiga Gimovav, Gerim who can't understand Hebrew. Um, wait, is that where he starts? Yeah, I'm not going to read all the Hagel Halachos, but uh, the Gerim who don't understand Hebrew, Chayavin Lahachin Liban, Lahachiv Oznam Lishmoa, Beimah Virag, Begila Biraada. They are obligated to prepare their minds or their hearts to attentively listen with their ears to listen with dread and fear and joy and trembling, as if it is written, uh, was given at Sinai. Uh, like, sorry, like the day it was given at Sinai. Um, the, even great Chachamim who know the entire Torah are obligated to listen with great excessive Kavana. And anyone who cannot listen or understand, you should make his heart intent, uh, focus on this. The Pasuk only established this to strengthen the true religion. And he should see himself as though he is being commanded in it now. And he's hearing it. Because the king is like a, an agent to, uh, oh, there's another king halacha. Uh, to, he's an agent to make heard the, word, the, the words of God. So he does not use the Lushan of Kabbalah Satorah. Right, but it sounds like it's in terms of the experience of hearing the Torah, you know, not not Kabbalah Satora per se. So, so Kabbalah Satora is a more abstract term. Right. 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 That's an interesting thing. Mm-hmm. The, you could take that approach. I don't quite see the idea of cost in Kabbalah Satora. Well, I think mean, uh, or, or so it, you don't have to say that because that's not only from the right. Yeah. I mean, the, the way I would, this is where my intuition goes, again, not, not based on anything, but like, you know, this Torah is being produced for you, you know, and this is your Torah. Like, so I, I feel like it's the personal connection to the Chavzashal Torah that like, or to, to the Dvar Hashem that is, makes a kilo. And then at Sinai, that was each Jew heard Mipi Gvura, you know? Right. Um, so that, that's where my intuition would go for that. Right, 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 right. Yeah. Um, now, so I understand halakhali how that's true, but because each, you need each letter to be, uh, you know, to be kosher in order to, for it to be a Chavzashal Torah. Right. But um, I wonder if this has to do with like a recognition of the integrity of the Torah and how like you need everything 
um, how every single component is necessary to have a Torah. And like in a certain sense, obviously this is not true literally, but in a certain sense, if you know you don't have any part of the Torah, then the entire thing is like null and void. I mean, in terms of the way the wrong form is the Iker, anyone who denies even those Achas, you know, it's as if he's denying, you know, that's a covert Torah. Um, but, uh, but I, so I wonder if this is like a, you know, it has anything to do with that. Okay, so those are speculations. Okay. Hamelch Matuva Lichtov Sefer, glad you pushed me. Hamelch Matuva Lichtov Sefer Torah, Acher Laatma Lashem Hamelch. So the king is commanded to write another Sefer Torah for himself uh, in the name of the king um, or for the sake of the king. Yeser al Sefer Shailo Kishu Hedyot, in addition to the one that he had when he was a Hedyot. Shinemar Bahayak Shivta al Kisim Mamachtov Vachasav Lo Vagomer. As it says, when he sits on his throne of his kingship, uh, he should write this uh, this copy of the Torah on a book from before the Kohanim Levim. And he should it should be with him. He should read it all the days of his life. Uh, in order that he should learn to fear Hashem, his God, uh, to keep all the words of this Torah. Um, uh, uh, and the, these chukim to do them. Levilti rum so that his heart does not become haughty over his brethren. Levilti sur min and so that he doesn't deviate from the mitzvah right or left. Laman so that he should prolong his days on his throne in, in his kingship. Israel, he and his children in the midst of Israel. And side background question here is about the Ram's decision to call his book the Mishnah Torah. I think that's a, just another good question here. You know about like. You know, I always wonder, like, how many of these um, references is he? Because certainly he, he says it's called the Sefer Torah because he's a, it's a restatement of the oral Torah. But he knows the Pasuk that this is from a term from about the written Torah. And he knows that the King's Torah is designed to promote limud, yuras Hashem, and prevent haughtiness and to not deviate from the mitzvah's the, the, the small. So I understand limud. I understand Yira. I understand not deviating from the Mitzvah of Yemina Small. The Levilti Rum Levavome Echav is an interesting one, you know? Yeah. So I feel like you could do an interesting drush on the calling the Mishnah Torah the Mishnah Torah. Um, okay. So then Ramam says, Magin Oso Misefer Ha'azara Alpi based in Hagadal. So they check it from the Sefer Ha'azara uh, based on the based in Hagadal, uh, or sorry, according to the based in Hagadal, or by authority of the based in Hagadal, right? So that's the one. That um, the official Sefer Torah that um, that I, well, ideally it's the one that Moshe Rabbeinu wrote because Moshe Rabbeinu wrote a Torah. He wrote twelve Sefer Torah for all the tribes, and they put one that was either in or next to the Aron Bris Hashem, and that's the that's the the um, <laughs> the, the Sefer Torah. Yeah, okay. Ze Shahayalo Kishu Hediot. This one that he had when he was a head, he should put it in his treasury. And this one that was written, that he wrote or that was written for him after he became king. By the way, you see from here that uh, he's just uh, clarifying that you, the king can also have it written for him. He doesn't have to write it himself. No, no. The, the Hedio doesn't have to carry it with him all the time. Because I guess, I guess the, he's not. Yeah, yeah, it's a good question. Why, you mean, why, why does he have to say what he does with it? Yeah, I mean, I guess uh, this is my intuition. This Sefer Torah has to be 
halakhically defined as his second Sefer Torah. So like, I guess the Havamina is that you, you could, you know, like give it to a shul or sell it for one of the purposes that's much to sell Sefer Torah for, but it's saying that he has to keep it. So this is his second Sefer Torah. That's what I would think. Um, so, so this one that, that uh, he wrote or was written from Yehi Imotam, he should be with him all the time. When he goes out to war, Sefer Torah ze Imo. The Sefer Torah should be with him. Um, someone needs to do like, well, I, I could just do this on, on Dali or something like that. Uh, a king holding a Torah and fighting the uh, battles. That'd be pretty epic. Nichnas, uh, when he go, comes back in, Vuimo, it's with him. Yeshiv, Badin, when he sits in judgment, Vuimo, it's with him. Mesiv, when he's reclining, Vuhu Konegdo, it's, it's opposite him. Uh, so he doesn't have to like. <laughs> I, I imagine it's more like a man or more. More like a what? Yeah, right. Yeah, right. Yeah, right. Yeah. If he had not finished his Torah before he became king, like yeah, he would start, then it could be one same Torah. Uh, I don't know. Well, uh, yeah, I mean, no, the, the way he formulated is yes or I'll say for. Yes, or Sefer Shahaya Elohim. So you're saying if, if he never ended up getting that one? Yeah. That's interesting. That's a good Shaila. I accept the Shaila. <laughs> All right, we'll, we'll see if I can find anything. Oh, oh yeah, okay, good. All right, so let, let me finish reading. But you anticipated That's good. Look, he did not have a Sefer Torah before he reigned. Sarach Lichtov Acher Shemalach Shnei Sefer Torah. He needs to write two. Uh, after he becomes king, uh, one in his treasuries, the other one he is with him constantly. should only leave him at night. The only three times he can't have it are when he goes into the bathhouse or the bathroom or when he sleeps on his bed. Why don't he puts that halacha here instead of in all these examples of, uh, of accompanying him? Yeah. Now let's just read the one halacha. I think he has one halacha in Milchamim. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Right. Yeah. That's true. That, that would have been fine. Also. Um, okay. So uh, so let's see what if there's redundancy here because I think there is. But this is in Milchamim Milchamim's Gimel Aleph. Beishiyish of Melach Alkisim Melchusa Kosev Lo Sefer Torah Lishmo Yeser Al Sefer Shenich Lo Avosav Umagiho Mi Sefer Hazara Al Pi Beisin Shal Shivim VeEchad. That's interesting thing. He lost it. So that's very redundant, right? So that, this is, I feel like, an application of the principle that whenever the Ram codifies halakha in two places, then there's a, a different, uh, like, identity to those halakhas. I'm curious what that is. Is this halakha saying that the, if the king inherits the Torah from the previous king, is that for his own another royal one? Uh, good question. Because it seems to be saying, like, yeah. which inherently doesn't work for the normal Sefer Torah, but which would mean that that's work for the king of Sefer Torah. Um, what do you mean it doesn't work for the normal Sefer Torah? As if, if you inherit one, you self-write one. Uh, right. But this is saying that if you don't inherit one or you lost it, you have to... Oh, I see what you're saying. So you're saying for his Hedyot Torah, then isn't he going to end up needing to have three? 
Yeah. Right? No, I'm more, <laughs> no, I'm more thinking this in that this visa for the king's territory doesn't actually need to write, it just needs to have been written by a king. Uh-huh. Right? Because it says, even safer, then he has to write too, which imply that if they did leave one for him, mm-hmm. then he doesn't have to write. Right. It doesn't imply but that. But it doesn't work for the Pedro one, so that's the work. Right. So they'll lose the king one for Right. Then that, that, I think that's a good deal. Let me just. No. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right, but that, but just from the Raman though, the Raman I think is saying like Yosef saying right. If his fathers did not give him a safe, uh, did not bequeath him a safer Torah, then he writes a second one. But if they did bequeath him a safer Torah, then he would not write a second one. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. Right. But I think it's a good deal, though. Right. I mean, maybe not. Uh, okay, so let me see. No, that's it doesn't say. What about the red vase? No. Uh, there's no Yapshita. Lachamishna. All right. Well, I guess I, guess I gotta see if I can find that. What was the first thing I said I was gonna look into? Oh no, that one was answered. Yeah. Okay. And then um, let's just finish reading this though. Oh no, then that, that's the end of what we're what we're at. Yeah. Okay. So uh, if I can find anything about that tomorrow, we can do that tomorrow. I want to show you something unrelated. For some reason, people were sharing this article today, even though it seems like this was a discovery in uh, October 2022. So they found. New handwritten Maimonides text uh, at Cambridge from the Geniza. And the thing that makes this unique is they found um, the Ramam writing in a Romance dialect. So it's a list of the, uh, I'll just read this here, a scrap of 900-year-old paper, part of Cambridge's Cairo Geniza collection, um, has been identified as containing the handwriting of legendary Jew- Jewish uh, philosopher Moses Maimonides. The pages are a glossary of basic terms related to herbs, basic foods, and colors and were identified by Jose Martinez Delgado, a visiting professor. So the, the thing that's cool about this is how he discovered it. So I, I saw this article. So it says, um, he says, uh, I decided to have a look at a list I made when I visited six years ago of lexicographical Geniza fragments to see if any of them might be suitable for the book. And I saw in my list one I described as an Andalusi script. I looked at it and something about it seemed familiar. At the last line, I realized what I was looking at. I had seen this handwriting before. I quickly sent a messenger to my friend, Amir Ashur. I didn't say what I was thinking. I just asked him to look at the fragment too. He said he checked and then came uh, confirmation of my suspicions. Amir had seen what I had seen. We were looking at Maimonides' handwriting in some sort of romance dialect. We decided to publish the discovery together and wrote the paper in two days. So he just, he recognized the handwriting of the Rambam and they have samples here. So I think these are two, um, uh, these are the, uh, this 163.57 is the document he's talking about. So pistachio, I don't know exactly how to say pistachio. And then in uh, another manuscript that they know is the Rambam or lachen, uh, meat, and the way that the Rambam writes it there. And so, so they ask, is this proof that he spoke Spanish? And they say, first of all, it's not Spanish. It was some um, romance dialect, but they're still trying to figure out what it was. 
And then this is the cool thing. So it says the glossary covers four semantic categories, colors, flavors, aromas, actions, and food. Why was Maimonides collecting these words? What does it tell us about him? The sequence of words is, in, uh, Professor answers, the sequence of words is interesting as we are seeing him at work, writing a progression of words that makes sense to him. The terms don't follow alphabetical order. They are arranged logically by basic associations, bread, water, and opposites, black, white. The category of colors ends in light and dark, and then moves to flavors and aromas. The connection between these is presumably the senses moving from sight to taste to smell. The list of foods moves from basic foods to vegetables, to edible seeds, to seeded fruits, to dried fruits, nuts, et cetera, et cetera. Um, okay, the list of actions first describes the actions. Oh no, so sorry, that's not the part I wanted to read. This is the part I wanted to read. So is this proof that he spoke Spanish? So he says, we don't know if it's Spanish. And he says, the words are simple. Um, oh, sorry. And second, if anything, this is an indication that Maimonides did not speak a Romance dialect. The words are simple, bread, water, meat, egg. These are basic words, and it seems he was trying to acquire them. He wrote out his list of words and then filled them underneath as he learned the translation. Some categories of terms are not fully translated. He wasn't able to get translations of all the action terms. We know of different Spanish visitors to Egypt during Maimonides' time. It's possible he was getting input from different sources, so it may not even be one Roman Romance dialect represented. He's also writing down what he hears, so there are some idiosyncratic transcriptions and also some errors. He writes the pair eat and drink, but drink is incorrectly translated with the word wine. He didn't know enough of the language to realize the translation error. So they speculate, he says, why was he collecting these words? He was a physician with students, so perhaps he was gathering the terms for a medical or educational reason, or perhaps he just enjoyed quizzing, <laughs> quizzing visiting Spaniards. Just an interesting, one of those like little glimpses into like, you know, uh, the, the, like, Something about this is very like humanizing in an interesting way. Like, oh yeah, Ron was like taking notes. Like, this is like they didn't have Duolingo, so he's just like you know learning uh, other stuff. So I thought that, but I thought it was just cool that the um, the recognizing the handwriting and then yeah. like asking another professor without telling him like I'm not telling you why I'm asking you this. What do you think? And then he's like, oh, that's the Ron's handwriting, <laughs> you know? Yeah, and uh, and it is distinct handwriting. Like, uh, just this picture. This is not the fragment. This is a Mishnah Torah. Um, but, um, I mean, I, I can't tell whether, whether it's distinctive, but like you could imagine how someone could look at this and be like, oh yeah, these are, these are distinctive, uh, words here. Yeah. Anyway, just thought that was cool. Wanted to share. Yeah. I was just wondering, is there going to try? If you've gained from what you've learned here today, please consider contributing to my Patreon at www.patreon.com slash Rabbi Schneeweiss. Alternatively, if you would like to make a direct contribution to the Rabbi Schneeweiss Torah Content Fund, my Venmo is at matt-schneeweiss, and my Zelle slash Chase QuickPay and PayPal are mattschneeweiss at gmail.com. Even a small contribution goes a long way to covering the cost of my podcast and will provide me with the financial freedom to produce even more Torah content for you. If you would like to sponsor an article, share, or podcast episode, or if you are interested in enlisting my services as a teacher or tutor, you can reach me at rabbischneeweiss at gmail.com. Thank you to my listeners for listening. Thank you to my readers for reading, and thank you to my supporters for supporting my efforts to make Torah ideas available and accessible to everyone.